Dusky goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of the 50 plus one football podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. With me as always this week is the Dwight York to my Andy Cole, Lewis. Switching it up, switching it up. Yes, guys, we have got a bunch of topics for you today, starting with the Revier Derby, Dortmund v. Schalke. Then we're going to move over to Bayern Again, business as usual. And then also have a little talk about Gladbach v. Mainz. Then moving on to the Premier League, Manchester United v. Chelsea and the slump that both teams sort of be, have been going through. And then another team that have disappointed in terms of their recent form, Everton, losing 2-0 to Southampton. Without further ado, let's get straight into it. So we said last week that Dortmund kind of were all over the shop against Hoffenheim with their um, team selection. You know, Thomas Delaney playing in a back three, which I believe you criticized in great detail. This week, we saw a little bit of a, a little bit more of the team that everyone wants to see from Dortmund, didn't we? Yeah, a little more conventional. And I know you said to me that Delaney was in a back three, but I've seen it listed down on various different places is a four-two-three-one. Yeah, that was a um, me looking at the team sheet without having seen the formation, and I thought he was actually going to put Delaney in a back three again because I didn't see you know a third conventional center back. So uh, that was a little bit of an oversight on my part. But yeah, it was the first time Dortmund went for for a four at the back instead of a three or a five at the back. And it made perfect sense because they've got the players to play that formation. Like I said it on the last episode. Like, don't play a formation if you've not got the players to facilitate it. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it, it also helped because um, numerous times during the match, you could hear Schalke's manager, Manuel Baum, calling out, um, you know, Mahti Mitetsu, which, means, which just means close down the middle. And for that to, you know, for the middle to be closed down, you're going to have to overload the midfield. And then if you've got two defensive midfielders as well as um, a center attacking mid in midfield to shore up basically the compact formation that Schalke went for, um, they were going to have a lot. They were, they were going to have a lot more of a nice time than if they had gone for, you know, three or five at the back and then not overload the midfield. It's a weird one because Schalke went with a five in midfield or a three in midfield if you discount the wing backs. But they, they just got overran. I mean, to be fair to them, they managed to keep, you know, the clean sheet at least for the first half. So for Schalke standards, they played well, at least in the first half. But the sad thing is that the only reason I'm saying that is because they didn't concede. I mean, you're still talking about the league's worst uh, defense with now 19 conceded goals after just five matches, which is unbelievable. 
it's prime relegation form. And the stats, they speak for themselves from that game. Three shots in total, no shots on target. So Roman Berkey didn't even have to make a save. Yeah, I think that was that was one of the most telling um, telling statistics as well. In addition to that, just four touches inside Dortmund's uh, 16-yard from Schalke and zero in the second half. Zero. It's just not, it's just not good enough, is it? Nah, um, 17th match in a row without a clean sheet for Schalke. 21 matches now without a win. I know that statistic threw me off as well at the beginning, but then you have to realize that just because they didn't win didn't mean they doesn't mean they lost every single match. So there are a couple of uh, draws in there. But you know, overall, you just have to say twenty one matches without a win. And um, one of my one of my teammates uh, sent into the group chat a picture that said, "If you had conceived on the date of Shaka's last win, the baby would be here by now." That's ridiculous. So yeah, that's guys, insane. nine months. <laughs> exactly. That's how bad Schalke are at this point. I think Lothar Matteo said it best on Sky Sports. Every Bundesliga fan is now actually, you know, they're, they're worried about, uh, about Schalke just because it's such a traditional club that, you know, shouldn't be in the second Bundesliga or anywhere near it. And, you know, at this point, it's, it's almost getting hard to laugh at them because it's just going so, so badly for them. Well, they spoke at the end of last season, didn't they, of a big cultural reset? Yeah. And well, I, I want to say it's not going very well, but you can't expect something like that to happen overnight. So maybe they do need to go down. It's sort of getting to the point where now it's almost similar to um, Hamburg because they... You know, they used to they I mean they used to have Rude Van Nistelrooy for crying out loud and played Europa League and and even Champions League. So that and this is this is only ten years ago. So you have to you just have to realize that, you know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten season, Hamburg were playing Europa League and they weren't getting knocked out in the group stages either. And now they've they're in their third, second Bundesliga season. And, you know, the seasons before that, they spent pretty much in the relegation zone the whole season. And many people said they just need to go down completely so they can really rebuild. And it's slowly looking to be that uh, to be the same exact situation in, in Schalke. Um, maybe it needs to happen. Maybe people on the board or like higher up need that, need that shock, need that, oh... Christ, we're not a Bundesliga team anymore. Maybe we should start doing things differently. Because I, I don't know. But you, you said that they were like a traditional club. Yeah. And I know German football is a lot of tradition, but maybe it's time to like, maybe leave the tradition aside for a bit. I mean, it's it's sad to it's sad to say because Dortmund v Schalke is the oldest derby or the you know the most unreal derby you've got in um, in Germany, and you know it's Jurgen Klopp himself has said it's it's uh, it's the mother of all derbies, and I know many people are going to be saying in the UK, you know, oh, Merseyside derby is better than that, or Old Firm derby is better than that, but you know every derby 
has its own special history to it. And uh, the animosity between Dortmund v. Schalke, it's, it's, uh, I think it's best described with no one in, no one in the Ruhrpott area, which is uh, the, the, you know, the coal and steelworks area in Germany, in Western Germany. No one in the Ruhrpott area asks who uh, won the Bundesliga title last year. It's always who won the last derby. So I think, uh, you know, it's just the history with this match. And to not see it next season would be such a loss for the Bundesliga and German football in general. Yeah, it would. But I, I still maintain that something big has to happen at Schalke. Maybe relegation yeah. is the thing that needs to happen. Possibly, possibly. But then, but, you, like you say, you, you could potentially end up in a Hamburg situation where you're down there for three years. The thing is, with, with the whole Hamburg situation, is also that club financially just didn't have the, the, you know, the resources to even you know, start a proper, like to have a full-on you know, new restart in the form that they wanted to because the finances just weren't there. And the problem that I see with Shaikh is that they're very much in the same financial hole because they were, the, they were one of the clubs who actually had to um, get government help to bail them out during the, the corona lockdown. So it's, if they do go down, one, they're going to lose a lot more players from the starting 11 because they still, I mean, that's the thing. They still technically have the players to compete in the Bundesliga. It's just the squad is, in my opinion, isn't set up well. It's not planned well. They don't have players in each position who are very, who, you know, harmonize with one another, if that makes sense. And, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it's just, it, there's, I think the biggest thing that was also said on Sky Sports in Germany, at least, was that there's no real character players. There's no one who wholly identifies with that club on that pitch anymore. And that's one of the main problems they have. No, I get you. So there's no Thomas Muller who lives and breathes Bayern. There's no yeah. Schalke through and through player in that team. Well, I mean, it's not completely true, but, you know, the only player that I see is a Schalke through-and-through player who's been there with the exception of his loan stint is Ralf Fehrmann. And, you know, he was axed in a, I'd say, very unworthy fashion by Domin uh, Domenico Tedesco when he was still head coach at Schalke a couple years back. Um, I didn't think it was all too fair because Schalke's defense was just crap and, you know, it... Obviously, Fairman had some shaky performances, but to be demoted in the fashion that he was demoted was a bit harsh. Um, but yeah, as I said, he's the only player in that Schalke squad who really lives and breathes Schalke, and he was injured or has been injured since the second, um, second Bundesliga match day. So all in all, it's not enough. No, it's tough. I mean, you can't take away that Dortmund played really well. They brought all the big guns back. You know, they had Delaney and Dahoud in midfield, where we said, Dahoud, is he all that good? I think he showed in that match that he definitely does have the stuff to play starting 11 in, uh, in Dortmund's midfield. Yeah, proved me wrong. He actually played really well. But I think that's, again, that's having that 
player like Thomas Delaney alongside you going, okay, I can do this because if I do make a mistake, I've got Thomas Delaney next to me. Yeah, definitely. But if, you'd like to think Axel Witzel would be in there. Yeah, but then we also have to say, you know, Jude Bellingham was left on the bench as well. Like Dortmund, we say that Dortmund brought all the big guns, but in perhaps Dortmund's biggest match, I know given Schalke's form, it might not seem like that, but seeing, seeing as it still is probably one of the oldest derbies in um, in Germany, this is Dortmund's, you know, they have this this circled on the calendar more than they do the match against Bayern. And they left out Royce, who apparent who is the designated captain, and he was fit. That just goes to show how much um, you know there is space in that Dortmund team, really, or lack thereof. Yeah, it was nice to see Torgan Hazard come back as well. But no, Erling yeah. Haaland scored again. Yeah, this he's really a shock anymore. Yeah, it's almost go. It's almost to the point of where you expect him to score every match, like Lewandowski, because he's just. I said it, um, or I have it marked down, uh, for the for Dortmund's second goal. It was technically a counter attack, and Haaland had the ball around midfield, and there were about four Schalke players around him, and no one from Dortmund had really come to help him. He still manages to keep the ball until his uh, teammates have made it up there. Get, gets the ball off and then immediately right after he right after he releases the ball or passes the ball off he puts down a sprint full on towards the towards the striker box no striker player tracks him which you know they just left the midfield or the middle wide open much to the chagrin of a uh, their head coach who's been saying the whole match closed down the middle um but it just goes to show what kind of a player he is because he just starts through and he knows where Sancho is going to play him. He knows where that ball is coming. So he just goes and puts down a sprint straight ahead. And all he has to do is chip. I mean, I say all he has to do. but I would say all you have to do is just chip a goalkeeper in, a, in the Rivera derby. In nothing, full sprint. Nothing yeah. big at full sprint. <laughs> but I don't want to be negative. But the rate he's going, there's only so long he can stay at Dortmund. Uh, yeah, sadly. I mean, there are already rumors that um, Zinedine Zidane will go for Erling Haaland if um, Mbappe doesn't work out in the next summer transfer window. Well, he's got a release clause of like 65 mil, and Mbappe's going to cost at least 200. I mean, I think for any player to cost over 100, given the current climate, should be illegal but you know i don't i can't install a cost uh or a uh, transfer fee cap well um, you know it's, it's in that case it makes it simple you don't want to pay that for the player the player doesn't move yeah obviously and then that just also you know release clause for erling Haaland at 65 million but then again i think dortmund know uh they know that if he stays and he gets even better. They'll offer him a new contract without that release clause in. I was about can, to say, I think... and they can go. <laughs> hold on. One of the best number nines in Europe. At we the age he is, a yeah. hundred plus. If if they want 
what they wanted for Jaden Sancho, 120. Imagine what they're going to want it. for Erling Haaland if they offer him a new contract without that release clause. I wouldn't be surprised if the bosses are already trying to figure out uh, figure out how they're going to get him and get him a new contract. Well, it, I mean, it comes into play summer 2021. Yeah, they're probably already working on that. So that's next summer. So let's be honest, he's going to score a lot of goals this season. He's going to get a new contract this season and there's not going to be a release clause in it. I mean, if he goes at the rate he's going right now, he's on track for the same total that Robert Lewandowski scored last season. Well, let's not. I know you don't want that to happen. Mm, I wouldn't really care because I'm going to put my... uh, I would uh, be willing to bet that Lewandowski scores more. That is bold. Which is a perfect segue into Bayern v Frankfurt and business as usual in the Bavarian capital, as it was last week. <laughs> That's just business. Like, other than that shock loss to Hoffenheim, let's be honest. And that was just them being tired. You know, they didn't have their full squad yet. The transfer window hadn't closed. They hadn't, you know, had gotten the players you need to rotate. And it wasn't even funny, really, because... Frankfurt aren't a bad team. They're a decent team who I would tip my hat to, you know, be scratching at the Europa League places again this year because they do have the quality in that squad. Um, and, you know, Kevin Trapp, their goalkeeper, said ahead of the match, you know, Frankfurt could frustrate Bayern. And in recent history, Frankfurt have shown Bayern their weaknesses. Obviously, Bayern, you know, the last match they played um, at the end of the twenty. 20- 18-19 season, um, Robin and Ribéry both scoring in, you know, 5-0 in Munich. That is, that's kind of an outlier, but I'd say Frankfurt, you know, they were the last team to really seal the end for Nico Kovac by beating Bayern 5-1 uh, about a year ago. So usually they're not that passive, really, I'd say. I don't know whether it was so much Frankfurt being passive. I think it was just what what happens when you meet an unstoppable force almost. It's a it's a law of motion. <laughs> like Frank Frankfurt are in are by no means the immovable object. Mm-mm. So you're just gonna get steamrolled and but they have got good players like Bastost, uh Canada. I really like Martin Hinteregger at centre half. Yeah, he's he is he's your classic center half. Like he's he he's just a he's just a solid rock. You know, the guy who he's the he's a classic um, center back. Also, in terms of you know, he's the, he's the one who's wearing the wearing the tempos and he doesn't really give, really care about looks or whatever. Wears the oversized kit. He's just there to just to clash a ball away or just you know absolutely deck a striker. That's the that's the type of player he is. But it didn't go so well for him on Saturday. No, it really didn't. But then again, also Jerome Boateng said in the post match interview, if you want to defend Lewandowski, you're going to have to have the best day ever, and you are not going to be able to do it alone, even if if it is the day of days for you. Oh no, you need everyone in that back line to have the game of their lives. But exactly. Yeah. Do you want to talk about his perfect hat trick? I'll let you 
Because I'm running it's... out of words to describe uh, him. Well, then you're joining Hansi Flick uh, because he just said very, very uh, soberly after that match, he scored three goals. What more do I need to say? <laughs> I mean, he's literally got his head coach lost for words at this point. You know, no one knows where it's going to end. I'm just going to give you a statistic here. Ten goals, five assists in five matches. Well, I look forward to the Ballon d'Or being cancelled again this year. I mean, they're probably going to cancel it every year Lewandowski's got just because, you know, the FIFA committee or the France football execs just bum like La Liga and Premier League players. It's a big shout, I know, but it's true. It is a big shout. I think you're probably warranted in it, but I think I, I can't believe they canned it. Last year, after the season he had. 54 goals. So, hang on. If he's got 10 goals in five games, what's he on course to score this year then? It is Um, more than last year. Well, definitely. Because Bundesliga has 34 match days, just to make the maths easy. I'll say if 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 the Bundesliga had 35 match days, he'd be on track to score 70 goals. I mean, he's not scoring 70 goals in a Bundesliga season. No, there, obviously are, not. there are going to be off days. I, there's no way he's <laughs> beating the record. You say that, but the 40-goal record, if he's scoring 10 goals in five matches, the only reason he's not beating this 40-goal record would be because he needs to have rest days because of the crazily packed schedule. But that's the only thing that's standing in the way of him cracking that record. Yeah, and but you you got to remember, form form is fluid. So there are going to be definitely. periods where he's not scoring a perfect hat-trick in a 5-0 win. Yeah, but, you know, everyone was like, well, he scored four goals now against Berlin and kind of just, you know, got by on the three points single-handedly almost. Um, he'll calm down for a while. No, no. He scored four goals against Berlin, another two against Bielefeld, and then now three against uh, Frankfurt. So, last three matches, nine goals. I I said it last week about Harry Kane and providing the assists, but like I say, Lewandowski's doing it on another level completely. It's just, it's unbelievable. He's got three goal contributions on average. In a game, and this is only the Bundesliga. He didn't score against Atletico, though, did he? No, he did. No, he didn't. But that was just because the team was on a different thing. I think it's also because Atletico were more preoccupied with Lewandowski, so that the rest of the team had more room to breathe. Yeah, you saw it from the King uh, Coman's first goal. They were more occupied marking Lewandowski, which gave Coman all that space. So even though he's not scoring, he's still having a positive effect on the game. Exactly, exactly. And I'm, um, I'm going to throw out a massive question here. If he does manage to crack the 40-goal record that was set by Gert Müller about 40 years ago, or almost 50 years ago now, is he the best striker of all time? <laughs> um... Oh, you really put me on the spot with that. It's a big question, you know. How many goals has he got in the Bundesliga 
com- like completely in total Ooh, I'm going to have to have my research on. This is the one statistic I didn't have, you know, down. <laughs> Usually I've got them all in there. All-time uh, Robert Lewandowski football um, stats. Here we go. I don't care about his discipline. Just give me his goals. <laughs> okay, that's not updated. That's from his time at Dortmund. Maybe not. Because I'm just thinking... Okay, goals... Goals for Bayern. Okay, one hundred and seventy-two. I'm. A, where are you reading this? I'm on Transfermarkt. Hold I'm on. on Wikipedia. Um. Here, this is per this is per league. So in the Bundesliga, he's played three hundred and twenty-six games and scored two hundred and forty-six goals and has had sixty-eight assists. Okay. Well, the only thi- the only reason I say that is because Alan Shearer scored. 256. And but then you've also got Lionel Messi, who's on something like 600 goals. Ronaldo's on like 700-odd. Yeah, but I'm talking the best number nine of all time. You can't class Messi or Ronaldo as a classic number nine, can you? Mm, uh, no, maybe not. Okay, if we're talking classic number nines, I'm going to get so much hate for this. Yeah, but... It is the Bundesliga. Okay, we're not. You're just fueling my hate fire for for the for for my rent in in a couple of minutes. But um, we'll we'll ignore the fact that this man has also scored 15 goals in the Champions League last season. He's just possessed. He's a man possessed. Just for comparison, Jamie Vardy right now has 11 goals in 12 matches, which is already unfreaking believable. Unbelievable. I don't know. He probably is. And it's a really difficult thing to say. But if he breaks that record, I think no one can deny. I think you should have a statue outside your stadium. <laughs> yeah. and, if it, and if it isn't him with his arms crossed and an X across his chest, then... With his tongue out. <laughs> then I'd riot in the streets of Munich. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, just just to just to end this little segment on the Bayern Frankfurt match, Joshua Kimmich said in the post-match interview that he wasn't a hundred percent happy with a five-nil, and that there were stretches of, of stretches of the match where they still had room for improvement, especially after the two-nil, where they kind of let Frankfurt come back into the game. In his opinion. That just shows the mentality of this team. Like, well, we said it before. Like, that's how you win X amount of Bundesliga titles in a row. That's how you win Champions League upon Champions League. It's that okay? Well, we've done this. We've won all five trophies in a calendar year. Reset. We don't have any of those anymore. We go again and we win them all again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that per- provides a perfect uh, runoff to that match. Let's talk Gladbach v Mainz because as much as Schalke have been struggling, Mainz are one place below and are struggling even more. And they've already axed their head coach, um, Achim Bayer-Lotza. We talked about uh, you know his losing of the dressing room after the players went out or went on strike. Um during a midweek training session after uh, one of their strikers was uh, suspended and demoted uh, 
to the reserve squad. So it hasn't been all uh, all that rosy of an affair for Mainz so far this season. And it's only gotten worse, hasn't it? It, it has gotten worse, but you think for that, that brief period where they were 2-1 up against Gladbach, that it, was it must have been a dream right. for a Mainz fan. <laughs> it's so depressing as well. Because, I mean... And then you give away a penalty. And then, like, five minutes later, you concede again. It's like, oh. And we're back. Flat <laughs> back to reality. Exactly. I mean, to, to be fair, you have to give credit to Gladbach for the fact that they did manage to come back after a 2-1 lead and completely turn the match around. And yeah, because it was uncharacteristically a slow and un, like an unconcentrated performance by Gladbach, if that makes sense. It yeah, just it didn't seem. It wasn't a vintage performance. No, I mean, especially when you compare it to their performance uh, against uh, Inter at the uh, at the midweek Champions League match. Yeah, if they played like that against Inter, there's no way they'd have drawn that game. Inter would have walked all over them if that was the case. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, it just goes to show that that's why most teams in Germany, apart from Bayern, struggle... You know, even though they do have a very good squad, they struggle to produce the results because they they just lack the consistency to produce the same results week in week out. Because as much as I as much as I hate to admit it, Dortmund just aren't a team that should be anywhere near that UEFA Super League, for instance, or even being contention for something uh, for something along those lines. Because they're just a team that, even though they have a squad that could probably win X amount of titles. They're so inconsistent, and it's you know partly due to the manager, as we discussed last week. Um, that you know they the the inconsistency is the thing that kills most teams, even though they do have the quality, um, or the quality in their squad to do much more. It's I don't know because the inconsistency. You look at the way they played against Mike, and it's just like oh. God, this is like you're not going to do anything like you did last season. And then you look at who played for them. Last season, Marcus Turam and Allison Player were their best players. Yeah. Why are they on the bench? Again, fitness? I can only yeah, I can only speculate, and my first guess would be fitness, just because Gladbach definitely are a team that are not used to playing midweek matches. But then you look at the team that the, the formation that the team played which was a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2. There's no place for Marcus Turam, who normally plays wide left. Yeah. But you definitely put Alisson Player up there instead of Breland Bolo, surely. And especially, you know, given Breland Bolo's um, injury history, he, is, he has got glass ankles. Or even Patrick Herman. Patrick Hammond's got to be pushing on, surely. I mean, he's he's he does hold the record for being the most substituted player in Bundesliga history. It's not a record you want, is it? Really? 
No, nah, because it means either you were you weren't good enough to play the full ninety minutes, or you weren't good enough to make it into the starting squad, and only uh, good enough to you know come off the bench. So that's quite interesting, actually. You know, we spoke last week about Gladbach's penalty takers. Mm-hmm. So Hoffman's penalty last weekend wasn't great, but the power beat the goalkeeper. Yeah. In midweek, someone else took the penalty. Ben Zabaini, yeah. Yeah, Ben Zabaini took the penalty. And then against Mainz, it was back to Jonas Hoffman. Maybe it was, uh, you know, the manager giving him a little bit of time to practice the penalties and then uh, hope that he gains his confidence back. But I think, you know, if, if anything, that'll help his confidence in penalty in taking penalties, you know, getting thrown back into the... Uh, cold water, so to speak, so quickly after you know missing or almost missing one. So, uh, Mainz are a strange one because they've they got really some really are. exciting players. Mateta among them. Yeah, Mateta. Uh, was it Jean Paul? But is it Boatius? Boetius, Yeah, that's the one. Christ. Yeah, they, some names in there, buddy. <laughs> uh, Robin Kaisen. He's uh, the Swedish. Striker. Yes, yes. Yeah, they they definitely they don't that's what I'm saying they also they don't have, you know, that bad a team if you really think about it, but something in there is not working. Uh, it's, maybe maybe it's like like you said maybe it's just the way like players gel. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the coach. I mean, to be fair, the mentality-wise, I seem all right because the manager after the um, after the match said the team was more pissed off than disappointed, which means, you know, they were at least they weren't you know letting the heads hang completely. You know, they were angry with themselves for having given away a lead, and you know, at the end of the day, Mainz managed to score at least. You know, get themselves on the uh, on the scoreboard with not just one but two goals. So that's definitely, you know, a silver lining. But you have to say, at the end of the day, there's still the same amount of points as before. And you yeah, can't you really can, buy much. You can play as well as you want for like, to be fair, 80. first half up until they give, give the penalty away. Yeah, 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 definitely. You can play as well as you want for 76 minutes and put two goals past Jan Sommer. But ultimately, football cliche as anything but football is 90 minutes and then the German and if win. you switch off and give away a penalty and you know you switch off from corners and let Matthias Ginter score yeah yeah you you can you can score twice and come away with nothing yeah definitely well enough of the Bundesliga then Let's move on to the Premier League. Do you want to start with the most boring game of the weekend, or do you want to, or we're we gonna have a look at Everton in their first loss? I'll tell you what, we'll get the most boring game of the season out of the way. The first nil-nil draw in the Premier League. No, it's That's not. A, that was one last weekend. That was a box office game. That was a nil-nil draw. Imagine <laughs> paying for that. I was, about, I was about to say. I was about to say. That's the. That's a. That's a new one. Do Do you want three words to sum up that game? Please. Slow, boring, and safe. Yeah, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> the one thing I will say, mm-hmm. had Edinson Cavani scored with his first touch, I would have wept like a small child. Uh, yeah, understandably so. But 
you you still have to say that you know this one silver lining you can at least say for United is that United were the ones with more chances, in my opinion. Yeah, and if it wasn't Chelsea, many more, if Chelsea didn't have a competent goalkeeper, if Kepa wasn't injured, then maybe we might have won that like one nil. Both he teams, did well. He did well. Both teams are crap defensively. Oh let's yeah. Not, let's not beat around the bush with it. Both teams suck at the back. Yeah, for definitely. Both teams keeping a clean. You could see the way they played. It was very safe. They both knew that they weren't great defensively, and they kind of yeah. They, we we just spoke. As you said it. We safe. spoke about winning a draw last week, and I think Chelsea definitely won that draw. Just because they had less chances, and you know the. I mean, Chelsea was were dire. Timo Werner was utter, utter trash. And Kai Havertz wasn't much better. I mean, the but, fact they both got substituted after like an hour. Just to remind everyone, Kai Havertz and Timo Werner together equal 140 mil. Just putting that out there. Well, Timo Werner didn't have a shot on target and he made the fewest passes. He made 11 passes and the time he, made, he was on the pitch. Edouard Mendy made 16. That was... I was about to say, he made less passes than his own goalkeeper did. I mean, yeah, you have bad days, but he's just scored twice against Southampton. You think confidence be flowing through it, but there were none of it. There were no runs in behind. To be fair, I know I've slagged him off a fair old bit this season, at <laughs> least. Victor Lindelof marshaled him really well. Like he was, mm. he, was, he was my man in the match. I can't remember who was the actual man in the match because the minute that whistle went, I turned it off. I mean... It's really hard to kind of get a man of the match in, in, a, in a game like that. I was just... I think Reese James awful. for Chelsea played really well. Like, Luke Shaw struggled with him all game. He put some great balls in. Yeah, yeah. Kante couldn't pass straight. Like Uncharacteristically, looked, you know, bad performance from him. Didn't look like Kante. Yeah. It was weird. It was all right. Yeah. To be fair, Chelsea's back three actually played really well. As much as you said they were both crap defensively. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like they, they both knew, both sets of defences knew what they had to do. And both of them, to some extent, did it. If we ignore Harry Maguire's WWE-style tackle on Azpilicueta. I was about to say, that was, my, that was my next topic for discussion. Can we talk about the fact that any referee on that pitch any and every referee on that pitch missed that. Yeah, and VAR How? didn't bother. It was just, yeah, crack on. How? I mean, I know, I know you're probably sitting there thinking, unbelievable, we've gotten away with that, no penalty. But, wow. How bad is English officiating? That is unreal. It's not even that. You've got to question how bad Harry Maguire is, because he's like, Nearly a foot taller. Yeah, why is Pilaqueta? He... Why do you need to wrestle him to the ground? You full on hugging him in midair. Your arms should be nowhere near the dude. But I think the biggest criticism of that game would be the team selection, and we'll talk about that in a sec. I was about to say we're we're saving that. We we've got a new section coming up, but more you know, on that. There's, there's certain people that played against PSG that deserve to start that game. There's a certain. Yeah, over... All right, all right, but we're we're, we're saving this for a few, for the for the section in a Sorry, bit. I got carried Let's, away. Let's talk Everton Southampton before we before we spill the beans on that one. Everton Southampton, I said it to you right uh, right before recording. Dominic Calvert Lewin was a shadow of the man we've seen in the past five matches. 
to be fair, the entire Everton team was, and I think partly it stems down to not having Richarlison, who's this was his first game banned. He's is he got... that elemental though for that Everton squad? Is he? Yeah, he links that front three together. Because as much as Rodriguez might start a right wing, he's not a right winger. Well, I mean, we've seen this in every top team, whether it be Bayern or Real Madrid. We've seen that James Rodriguez is no should be nowhere near the wings. He should only be playing at the number ten. But I think that well, I think Ancelotti plays him there. What well, starts him there just to accommodate him, Alan, and Abdoulaye Dukoure. Mm-hmm. But in game, it sort of becomes a four four two, nearly. Yeah, and yeah. Wobi isn't very good, especially he's not on Richarlison's level. Calvert Lewin puts some really good. Well, yeah. <laughs> But Calvin Lewin put some really good crosses in that he probably would have loved to have been on the end of. <laughs> if only he could he could whip in the cross and sprint right to where the cross is you going. Know, I, it's not a criticism, really. It's more of a why are you playing in there type thing. Uh, ben Godfrey, you've signed him from Norwich. He's one of Eng- England under-21's like most exciting centre-halves, and you're playing him at right-back. Yeah, it also makes no sense to me. It's like, it's like if we signed Harry Maguire from Leicester. I know, we'll stick him at right back. No, play your players in their best. If you don't have the players to facilitate that formation, don't play that formation. If you knew Seamus Coleman was, wasn't fit to play, then you work on a different formation. You, you've had a week to do this. John was getting to the, in, into your favourite topic already. Sorry, <laughs> it just annoys me because Everton have the, the resources available. Like They have this season to be so good. And yet it's stupid things like that that just make it, like to sort of undo all their good work. I mean, Ward Prowse's goal, unreal. Like the nothing Pickford could do about that. The power beat him. I was about to say that'd be a bit unfair to try and you had know, no pick. hope. Shea yeah. Adams, it took a deflection. So again, you can't really blame Jordan Pickford, which must be nice as an Everton fan to think, okay, well we've lost, but at least the goalkeeper was no fault. It's kind of depressing to think that Jordan Pickford is almost turning into a Kepa 2.0. <laughs> oh, don't. That's my national team's keeper. <laughs> well, no well, I mean, I think you're going to be hoping that Nick Pope now now will replace him. Nah, Dino. That's what we want. Dean Henderson in goal. I'm sorry, but he's not going to be replacing anything until that man can even get get a start for Manchester United. Qatar 2022. Dean Henderson. Yeah, but will he have unseated David De Gea? Sir Marcus Rashford up front. Be great. Can we just also take a quick uh, detour and ask ourselves how in the UK Marcus Rashford's initiative has not been approved by government? Um, because the UK government couldn't tell their arsehole from their elbow. <laughs> it's just a bunch of incompetent posh twats. And I get some flack for voting the way I do. But <sighs> politics aside, if you're voting against free school meals, that's borderline. It's not borderline. It's immoral. Immoral is a nice way to put it. You should be out of office if you do that. Well, do you want, do you want to know the funniest thing? Or not funny, the scariest thing. Go for it. It's like the children's minister or something voted against it. Like your whole oh, job. Yeah, I saw that. Your, your, the, the reason you are employed is to make sure kids and children up and down the country are looked after and safe and okay. And you've gone, <laughs> uh, oh, you've got a week off school, have you? And your family struggles to put food on the table as it is. Oh, I tell you what, you can go hungry. I'm sorry. For all n- listeners now, parental discretion is advised, but what a bitch. Do you know what? I don't like the Daily Mail. Was it the no the Daily Mirror? I don't like it because it's a red top. It's a tabloid paper. Yeah. 
but they printed on the front page of their paper the other day the name of every single uh, MP that voted against it. So they had uh, a front page. It was a picture of Bojo and a picture of Marcus Rashford. And then it had so cruel and inside the word so cruel with the name of every MP that voted against food vouchers for school kids during the holidays. Oh, I love that. But if you I look mean... at his Twitter the last four or five days, I've never been, like, this is going to sound, because it's, it's a football, I've never been so proud of a footballer because yeah, it transcends I mean, sport. What he's done and what he's got people to do is absolutely unreal. Because at the moment, everyone's like, oh, well, it's look after number one. It's me, myself, and I. The government are useless. I think, he's already got an MBE, hasn't he? He's got an MBE, which is why I say Sir Marcus. Oh, he's def- if if he keeps going down the same road he is, he's definitely on on track for a nightship or but knighthood. It's that, sorry, it's that thing like he says constantly, like, "Oh, I know what it was like," because he does know what it was like. And it's that people think people get a bit disingenuous with footballers, and they go, "Oh, well, they've got all this money, they've got all this, they've got all that." But yeah, he's yeah. so down to earth. Because some people, most some people would expect a footballer to go, "Well, I can feed my kids, so not, not really, really my bag." Else. Yeah. business upon business and places and restaurants and companies and councils going, oh, hey, Marcus, uh, share this. And he's got, someone made a Google map for it. And the entire of England is just covered in places that are offering free school meals. That's great to see. That's great to see. It it restores faith in humanity. And more importantly, it just highlights how incompetent the government is. And I really hope he continues to do it. Definitely, definitely. After being told by some politicians he should stick to football. That really leaves me lost for words. Like, I'm sorry, the politicians are telling someone else to stick to football when that footballer is doing their job better than they themselves ever could. Well, there we go. I've never been so proud of a footballer. That was a a nice digression. Well, on that note, I was about to say, we don't often stray away from football, but seeing as it was Marcus Rashford, or is Marcus Rashford, who is providing or doing such commendable work for the greater community and the greater good, so to speak. I think it was a very, it was prudent enough to talk about on this podcast. But moving on from a nice little heartwarming topic, we're going to move on to our new section, which we have now called, do you know what really grinds my gears? I know you've got something in the bag for this. I'm going to let you go. I was actually going to, seeing as we were still, we had just finished up with the Premier League, I was going to let you go first. But uh, if you're going to be so gracious. Well, I wound you up earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The thing that gets me, right, about the Twitter sphere, little 21 Jump Street reference there for you. There's rumors. In the Twitter sphere. In the Twitter sphere. (laughs) Okay. Anyways. Yeah, going on social media, probably not. I mean, Billy himself has shown multiple times that that is not good for your mental health, especially as a United fan during the transfer window. But it is also not good for your mental health if you are looking as a Bayern fan for confirmation about how how good Bayern are and how good Lewandowski is. Because if you're going for that on social media as a Bayern fan, I'm right here telling you, you will be disappointed. Because everyone on that, you know, whether it be on those meet on those football meme pages or gold.com, what have you, all of them still will bring the argument that the Bundesliga is a farmer's league. I have conceded that the Premier League competition wise and marketing wise, definitely better than the Bundesliga. 
there is no there is no doubt in my mind about that fact. However, playing wise, there's not that much difference between the Premier League and the Bundesliga. I'd still class the Bundesliga as better being better than La Liga or Serie A, and don't even get me started on the French league. Oh no, I maintain it's the second best in the top five. And this is why it gets me every time when everyone's like, "Oh, Farmers League, you know, Bayern could do that. Bayern doing doing just what they do week in week out because it's such a crap league, and that's why Lewandowski's always scoring so many goals." I'm sorry, our team photo has five titles in front of that team. Uh, in front of that team, no, no. You, you, anyone who says, just sit down. Anyone who says that you know the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga is easy, and that's why Bayern walk walk all over it. I'll give you a comparison. The same could be said for Lewis Hamilton and win, and just getting his 90-second win, breaking Michael, uh, Michael Schumacher's record. Yet I see no one in England talking about, oh, Mercedes, they're basically, they've got the best machinery, got the best car, got put the most money in, and they make it easy for Lewis Hamilton to break that record. No, everyone in the UK is talking about what a great achievement it is as they should. But then when it comes to Bayern, having an unreal achievement because it takes so much more than just be having a good squad. It takes the consistency, as we have said multiple times in the last couple episodes, it takes the consistency to make those titles happen. You can't, Dortmund have had squads that should have won titles multiple times in the last 10 years. Yet Bayern have still managed to get eight titles in a row. Because that team is the epitome of consistency when it comes to playing in their league. And that's why it gets me so, so pissed off. Or it, makes me, it pisses me off so much when people are like, oh, that's a farmer's league. That's why they're winning it. No, no. Just because no, one, no team in England has got the consistency, maybe apart from Man City or Liverpool in the last couple of years. Just because no other team in England manages to get the consistency down to win for more than a season doesn't mean that you have to slag off every other team that actually can have some form of consistency in their play. I mean, it's no, it's no secret that Bayern walked all over the Champions League last season because of the best team in the world. End of story. And Lewandowski is the best striker in the world. End of story. Because you can't tell me that a man who scores 10 goals and gets five assists in five matches is only doing it because he's in a farmer's league. No, it's because he's miles ahead of the rest of the pack. I can't really argue with it. I, I, I've, I've now gotten that off my chest. I, I'm, I'm happy Are you now. good? Can you sleep at night now? I, I, can, I can sleep at night now. I, my I'm, go. It, is, it is your go because I have a feeling that this is going to be an equally long-winded rant. I don't know so much long-winded. I think it's just more born out of frustration like yours is, but it's not been going on as long as your issue. Fair enough. But... A very present issue, nonetheless, this season. Yeah, very present. And it's, I don't want to slag my manager off after the week we had where we beat PSG. But, oh my God, you play the same team that beat Newcastle. Chelsea are not Newcastle. There are players that played in that PSG game that deserve to play against Chelsea. Uh, Axel Tanzebe, for instance. Alex Tellez. Donny van der Beek sat on the bench for 90 minutes whilst Ajax beat VVV Venlo 13-0. And you just see the pit, he just looks so fed up and done. And I completely understand. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad if he asked to leave in January. I really wouldn't at this rate. And it's quite on topic, but Marco van Basten today has gone on a rant as well. So I said, Donny shouldn't have left to go to United. When you're a good player, you want to play every week. It's really bad for a player like Donny to play six or seven games a year. As a top player, you have to be critical and look at the chances of playing when you sign for a club. Donny should have waited for better prospects and signed for another club. That's all well and good, Marco. 
but you made a Nazi remark on TV, so I'm not really inclined to uh, agree with you on that. He made he came on against Newcastle, and we were one all. He made 13 ball recoveries, completed 12 out of 12 passes. Two of those ball recoveries led to goals, and we won 4-1. It doesn't strike me as witchcraft or voodoo that you play a player of his quality and things will happen. Yes, McTominay and Fred, they're, they're good. They're okay. Play one of them. That's all you need. You need one defensive-minded player. Donny van der Beek will track back. We've seen it. He does it for. He did it for Ajax when he was playing. Like even when he was playing number ten, he tracked back and made like goal-saving tackles and things like that. It's not like you're playing two Paul Pogba's that just middle about in the middle of the field. I just oh, it really baffles me because Alex Tellers put some amazing crosses in against PSG. Luke Shaw starts against Chelsea. Axel Tanzebu three or four amazing tackles on Mbappe and Neymar doesn't play against Chelsea. We were on top looking and trying to find a goal. Donny van der Beek no, doesn't play against Chelsea. And it's like, oh my God, man. It's so, I don't know what goes on in a football club, so I can't say, I can, I can only speculate, but it's just so frustrating because he's such an exciting player. And I know you can only play 11 players. You can only make three subs, but he should be starting for us every single week. And I've, I've got no, I've got, I've got no illusions that he probably will end up playing for us most games. But I want to know why he's not already. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I can't argue with that in any sense because as Hashtag you've already justice said, for Donny. yeah, let my Donny go. <laughs> it really is and it's like mate i just know some of the games where we've been so average if he played we really because he came we were so bad against crystal palace he come on and he scored newcastle we were one or we came on and we won four one if he doesn't he deserves to play against rb leipzig yeah and i don't want to keep going on about it i'm going to sound like a broken record and people have lives and families to go back to <laughs> well Unless you have anything more to add, I'd say on that note. We'll yes, I'm it. going to uh, lay in a darkened room and play Imagine by John Lennon to calm myself down. Imagine all the people. <laughs> do, 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 do. You. Enough of the singing uh, atrocity. That's all from us on the Bundesliga in the Premier League this week. We will be back with the European edition on Friday, after which we'll try and figure out which matches, if there are any worth talking about. I mean, hopefully we'll have some, but you know, the matchups so far, other than Gladbach versus Real Madrid, don't really leave room for much speculation. Uh, United-Leipzig will be a good game, or it should be a good game. Sorry, I forgot completely about United-Leipzig there for a second. I had my mind on matches like Liverpool v. Mitterland or uh, Bayern v. Lokomotiv Moscow. Definitely, we'll we'll find we'll definitely find some matches to talk about. You know, the the football nerds and us will will come about, and you know, if at all, we'll just start quoting statistics at you guys. But that's always fun. Well, yeah, that's that's all we can really do. <laughs> We're. We're all about the stats here. But don't forget to like, subscribe, follow on our socials. That's Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and our RSS feed. And keep your eyes peeled for our next episode. But that's all from us. And if you want to let us know what gets you, what grinds your gears about football in general, not necessarily Premier League or Bundesliga, uh, you can email us at at sportsnews at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram and Twitter. 
we really would love to hear from people. Definitely, because the section, do you know what really grinds my gears, is going to be a weekly thing now. So send us all your gear grinding topics. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.